to episode 20 of Black Girl Squee, where we celebrate uh, the achievements of black girls and women with a squee! I'm Dee Dee, also known as Dust Daughter on Twitter. And I'm Enda, also known as Enda's Corner on Twitter. And together, we're, uh, we both run the Black Girl Squee. Twitter account, which is at Black Girl Squee, all one word. Um, so those are three ways to contact us. Uh, we also have a Tumblr called uh, BlackGirlSquee.tumblr.com. Um, we have an email address, which is BlackGirlSquee at gmail.com. And you can also find us on iTunes by searching for Black Girl Squee. Get it? Um, we have a spoiler policy in that we spoil shit, and, um, we used to spoil How to Get Away with Murder when it was airing, um, now that it's on hiatus, um, we're going to spoil Sleepy Hollow and possibly Underground, um, the show on WGN this episode. So, um, that's your spoiler warning. Uh, we also cuss a lot. Uh, we're going to cuss a whole lot in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about peen. We're going to talk about peen a lot in this episode. Um, and booty. Oh my God, booty. Uh, so much booty. Um, We also might spoil The Walking Dead, so that's a spoiler warning for that, too. But y'all should have been heard about that by now. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, you're probably going to say we late, but whatever. This is when we record. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We don't have any feedback, um, sadly, so we're just going to jump right into the Squee-worthy news. And um, the first item is something that's going to show up in our Squeeworthy news and also in uh, Catch the Fade. So, um, you know, spoiler alert for our own damn show. Uh, (laughs) We're going to be talking about this and cussing about this all episode. Because, frankly, this was some bullshit. But on the bright side... Nicole Bahari, my wife in my head, uh, gets to leave Sleepy Hollow. Yay! She left on her own terms. Maybe not on her own character's terms, but Nicole herself, the actress, left on her own terms. And um, her last episode was on, on some fuck shit. And um, I haven't even seen it. I just followed uh, the the chat on Twitter. So uh, let's get into it. Um, <sighs> mm. Mm. 
well, you saw the episode. You go into it. Yeah, I did see the episode. And like you said, some straight bullshit. 20 minutes in, Abby sacrifices herself yet again and gets sucked into Pandora's box. And yeah, yeah. And oh my God, there was, I'm just going to put this way. One good scene out of the whole thing is because wherever she went, when she got into the box, Corbin was there and she got to talk to Corbin again. And he tells her, well, you're not really dead, but you know, you're kind of in that, you know, space between, you know, life and death. And then, you know, they have their apple pie, they have their conversation. It's really sweet. But then, you know, after that, Corbin leaves and, you know, goes and because Joe's there and he's like, I have to go buy my son a beer. And I'm like, and I'm just going to put it this way. That's the moment I'm going to keep, you know, with me and all this whole show because the rest of it was some straight fuckery. It was just some straight fuckery. I mean, Ichabod, he, you know, thinks he's dreaming because, you know, when they go to destroy the box or whatever, they're going to do with it. Cause I really wasn't paying much attention by this point. He gets knocked out and he has visions of, you know, him and Abby and they say goodbye. Now there's no embrace. There's no like kiss or anything. The closest they came to it, you know, when she's, you know, saying goodbye to him, she offers her fist, you know, so they can dap, you know, one more time and he kisses her hand and then does that, you know, deep bow he does. And then it's just over. And last time we see him, he's at the grave and he's at Abby's grave. We didn't see a funeral. We didn't have any other, you know, type of goodbye. They don't have, you know, this close, you know, moment. And I believe that some somebody actually did say that at some point, someone does say, you know, Abby Mills deserves better. Like it was really a dig, a really a dig at the, you know, the fans for that. And wow. yeah, so they really just they they really just rubbed it in. They rubbed it kinda in. Kind of like, kind of like. Um... Uh, the writers are walking dead, but we'll get to that. Yeah. They just wow. no regard, no, just no respect for her character anyway. They, who is like the lead of the series. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like everybody said, they didn't have to kill her. You know, there are ways of writing out a lead character without killing them because they do it all the time. They fucking killed her. And then try to leave it open like, oh, well, her soul is going to go reincarnate someone else because, you know, so there'll still be two witnesses. I'm like, but that's not how it works. (laughs) And plus, didn't you say that, you know, in order for the, you know, the box to work something like that, it had to, you know, suck in her soul. So she shouldn't have a soul to transfer to somebody else. Like, what were y'all even doing? And then it, they, it got even worse than that. Believe it or not, it got worse than that. They set up, you know, a, um, they set up the next season for this, like Ichabod going to DC. So it's like, he's even leaving Sleepy Hollow and shit. Got Abby's house up for sale. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so now you're going to get money, you know, by selling our house? 
that's just it. None of it made sense, and it was just insult to injury. Well, they probably know that they're not going to get renewed, so they're like, I mean, they've already been moved to Friday, where shows go to die. So really hope not. They just like fuck it. Let's just put some shit together. Um, Yeah. write her exit off the show and be done with it. Um, Cause yeah, I'm not here for Abby's soul being put into the body of a white chick. Cause I feel like that's what they do. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Cause Ichabod has to have a white partner. Yeah. Well, whatever they do. Be anything else. Besides platonic. Whatever they do now, it's like, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm not watching it. Yeah. I was done after last year. I only half watched it last year, but she she made that sacrifice at the end of... Did she make... Seems like every year Mm -hmm. she's making a sacrifice of herself. Definitely. I'm sick of it. We're going to talk about that with another show, too, um, if we get a chance. But the only bright side, upside, is that she is free. Yes. And, you know, I'm just saying, Monica Lynn practically has her name all over it. If -hmm. they decide to add that character to Black Panther, which... Seeing as Ryan Coogler is the director, I don't know. I honestly don't know if he'll make room for um, women characters on this on this movie. Mm-hmm. But if they do, Monica Lynn needs to be there. Monica Lynn is a singer um, who becomes a love interest for T'Challa, Black Panther. Oh, God, please put her and Chadwick Boseman back together. That's what I'm saying. That's all, That's what I am saying. It practically has Nicole Beharie's name written all over the role. Just cast her, Coogler. Just yes. cast her. Yes. Shonda, Nicole Beharie is now free to be the star of any new shows you got brewing in your head. Just cast her. She's brilliant. Yep. She's beautiful. She's a tiny little cute thing. Yes. But she can kick ass, too. She, yep, she's shown that. She's got three years of of tape for that. Just cast her. Um, she's free. And that's why it's in our squee-worthy news. Yes. Um, but for all of the reasons that Inda said and more, it's also going to be a catch the fade, because fuck this show. Yeah. And everybody behind it, fuck the network. I'm so done with Fox right now. But anyway, we'll get into that later. Um, For Nicole Bahari, we give a huge hug, a kiss, and a squeeze. My baby free. My baby free. Oh, Lord. Um... Now, speaking of a kick-ass black girl, uh, we move on to some other black girls who rock. Uh, The black girl 
Arts Rock Awards um, or event um, aired this week on BET, and they recognized the achievements of Denai Guerrera, uh, actress and playwright, um, activist um, and actress Amandla Stenberg, um, showrunner, executive producer, and screenwriter Shonda Rhimes, and um, singer-songwriter Rihanna. Yes, they all rock. Yes, and they all gave wonderful speeches from what I heard. Um, I didn't get to see the show because I don't have cable, but... um, me you know that doesn't that doesn't stop Tumblr. Tumblr's gonna gift those things within yep. thirty minutes yep. and give you little captions so you can read what they said. So um, you know, yay Tumblr for that. <laughs> and um, yeah, all of all of them gave great inspirational speeches, and um, then they let the white girl in. But we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> um, to um, deny Amandla, Shonda, and Rihanna, we give a big okay. All right. Now, oh, and, and Beverly Bond. Oh, for, yeah. for creating the event and the movement and everything. Oh. Squee to her too. Yeah. But go ahead. Also, yeah, just kind of wanted to squeeze for Jasmine Sullivan too because I did see her performance because they did, you know, put that video up. And whew, I'll talk about that a little bit later too because I wanted to talk about because something else I wanted to talk about. Okay. But uh, in other squee worthy news, um, Mira Nair uh, has directed a drama called Queen of Cotway and stars. Lapita Nyango, David Oyelowo, along with uh, Medina Nawanga. And they've done a release date for it, and it's going to be released during awards season. Uh, it's going to um, start with a theatrical premiere on September 23rd in the United States, and then it's going to expand a week. Uh, the next week is going to expand, expand to other cities. It's going to. Oh, they didn't say where. It's going to. Which city? Okay. But anyway, uh, this is the film where Lapita, she starts in the film as uh, the mother of chess prodigy uh, Fiona Mutesi out of uh, Uganda. She's also known as the Queen of Kotwe. And that's also based on a book called The Queen of Kotwe, A Story of Life, Chess, and One Extraordinary Girl's Dream of Becoming a Grandmaster. And... The little girl Fiona Matusi would be played, Matesi would be played by Medina Nalwanga, and she's a newcomer to the uh, to film. But the highest profile film she's done is The Last King of Scotland, which was in 2006. And I also say David Oyelowo co stars, but I'm actually really excited about that because Mira Nair is one of the only women of color I can think of who's had a long career as a director in Hollywood and look at this black cast with (laughs) actors of African descent and I'm mm -hmm. like wow 
I mean, but she has a history of making films with people of African descent. I mean, this is the lady that directed Mississippi Masala. Um, Then she, I think she did the, did she do um, the Kama Sutra? Really? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, That's a good one. I love that film. So, I mean, she's always cast people of color. Yes. In her movies. Um, So... There's no excuse for M. Night Shyamalan, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, So, her vision has always included people of color. So, shout out to her. Yes. Um, And shout out to everybody who's a part of this movie. And um, shout out to Shadow and Act. I hope they find a home. And people who will pay yeah. their pay their writers soon. Um, so for all of those folks, we give a big squee. All right. Our next bit of squee worthy news. Um, if like me, you don't really watch American Idol, but you keep up with the black people on it, <laughs> you will know that La Portia Renee. Actually, she made it to the final, but she only made runner-up. But that's actually not a bad thing because she just got a record deal with Universal Music Group. And she's going to be signed under the 19 Entertainment Big Machine Records Motown Records. And uh, said her album's going to be headed by Ethiopia Hapter Miriam. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, so sorry if I mispronounced that. Who is the president of Motown and the president of Urban Music, Nicole, head of creative at Universal Music Publishing Group. And, you know, like I said, that's reason it's not a bad thing that she came in a second on the show. It's because the runner-ups on American Idol actually usually end up doing better than most of the winners. Yeah, and not just the runners-ups. I mean, some people yeah. that don't even make it to the finals. I mean, Jennifer exactly. Hudson. Um, Jennifer Hudson one. has won a damn Oscar and she's on Broadway. She can't even really act. But um, <laughs> I think the only one who won and actually made a name for herself, you know, besides Kelly Clarkson, is uh, Fantasia. The only yeah. black woman who yeah. actually won. So, but yeah. everybody else, it's better to just, you know, get that exposure, be on exactly. there. Because, you know, 19 Entertainment, they're not the best record company for black folks. So, um, anyways, congratulations to her. She should have won, but this is going to work out better in the long run. So, to La Portia Renee, we give a... Oh, well, speaking of the stage, uh, you may have also seen Heather Headley. She's about to return to Broadway, and she's replacing Jennifer Hudson in The Color Purple. Uh, Heather Headley, she won a Tony in 2000 for the Best Actress in a Musical when she was in Aida. Mm-hmm. And she's going to return as Shug Avery. Um, Jennifer Hudson, she gave her last performance uh She's going to give her last performance on May the 8th, and Headley's going to take over on the 10th. And um, she, 
Yeah, Heather Headley's been on Broadway since about 97, and she also got an Olivier Award nomination for the London musical stage adaptation of Whitney Houston, of Whitney Houston's um, The Bodyguard. So um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Jennifer Hudson's going to go out on a high note. I don't know why she's leaving now. It doesn't seem to be any bad reason. I really hope not, but, you know. Kudos to her, and you know, congrats to Heather Headley for uh, uh, taking over that role because I'm sure that they both, you know, do well in it. And Heather Headley, she just has a great voice too. So, yeah, she, you know, she had a recording career too. Yeah, yeah she had some still, hits in the '90s, I think. Yeah, I still have that CD. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's a complete package: acting, yeah. singing. Whatever. So that's that's great for both of them. And um, so to Heather Headley and Jennifer Hudson, we give a squeeze. Black folks all up in your great white way, bitches. (laughs) Heather and Jennifer and Denai and Lupita. Oh Oh, my! I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in other Squeeworthy news, I wanted to highlight a story that just came through the Reader or the Chicago Reader. And they are highlighting queer women who are shaping Chicago's Black Lives Matter movement. And this is an article that talks about, you know, the intersections of, you know, Black womanhood and, you know, queer um, and being queer and being trans because. Queer and trans people have always been a part of black liberation struggles, even when they don't get, you know, the credit that they deserve. And so now they're talking about uh, uh, several women, uh, one whose name is, I think it's pronounced Iceland or Aslan. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, hon. Aslan Pulley, and she's a chapter coordinator for Black Lives Matter in Chicago. She says, no one is free until we are all free, and that includes those who are employed, unemployed, those who are incarcerated or in gangs, and who are sex workers. And Ooh. yes, she said, what we are fighting for is a world where our full humanity is honored and protected and valued, and that includes all of who we are. Lord. Yes, she said, she said a word right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All the women that they feature in it are Rachel Williams. She's an organizer for the Black Youth Project 100. And uh, Janae Bonsu. She's a national po- public policy chair for the Black Youth Project 100. Uh, Charlene Carruthers. You may have heard of her. Yeah, she's the national director of the Black Youth Project 100. Uh, Veronica Morris-Moore, who's an organizer of Fearless Leading by the Youth, which is uh, Flies, the acronym, and the Trauma Center Coalition. And also Chris, Chris, Christiana Colon. I hope I said your name right. Christiana Colon, who is the co-director of the uh, Let Us Breathe Collective. And mm-hmm. I just want to point out all of those women are between the ages of 23 and 30. Wow. Yeah. So. Check out this story. Check out the work they do because they are doing. This is what <laughs> intersectional uh, feminism, intersectional Black feminism, and all this looks like. Because, yeah. 
Check out this quote. Rachel Williams says, let's be real. Most of the work is being led by black queer women. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be put in a box or left out. Yeah. (laughs) This is good. Yeah. I got a link to this in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But this is, it's so, you know, unlike the previous civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Queer black women refuse to be shunted to the background. Yes. Doing all the work. Yes. While charismatic black men become the face of the movement. Yeah. I like this because they're like, fuck that. We're doing the work. We're getting the credit. And we're continuing to... Um, create space for change and make a difference. Um, and I am here for all of that. Yes. Because the least you can do for these women that are risking it all for your freedoms is give them the credit that they deserve. Ooh, this is good. Yeah. Okay. So to all these ladies in the Chicago Black Lives Matters movement and, you know, all across the move, the different movements all across the country that make up Black Lives Matter. Because in the end, you know, we wouldn't even have the phrase without black queer women. Exactly. So uh, just to all of these wonderful people, we give a squeeze. Okay. Last thing I want to mention in Squeeworthy News. Uh, you may have heard of her by now, but as a musician, her name is B.B. Borelli. She's the 20-year-old uh, song singer-songwriter who penned uh, Rihanna's Bitch Better Have My Money and about three hey. other songs on her anti-album. Mm-hmm. And she's actually about to come forth with her EP, Free the Real. And she just released a video for a song I actually included on the Black Swan Collective um, last episode called Sally. And it says the video chronicles the everyday moments of men and women who Borelli refers to as Sally's or people who, quote, have freed, have freed themselves of hate, fear, and are comfortable in their own skin, end quote. And I'm really going to need y'all to look at this video. Because really, it is kind of just a montage of uh, different people just, you know, being themselves. But the thing is, not everyone appears cishet. Not Mm -hmm. everyone is thin. Not everyone is light-skinned. Not everyone is able-bodied. There uh, truly is a variety of people represented in this video. And everyone's having fun, happy, joyous, being themselves. And we need to see more things like this. And so I'm going to need you all to look at this video. <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's 21, but girlfriend is on to something. <laughs> she really is. Oh, so to Baby Borelli, we give a big All right. Okay. 
So in our main topic, uh, now that we're done with how to get away with murder recaps for the time being until October or November, whenever, we're going, we've decided to start recapping WGN's new uh, series called Underground, which is about, um, the, a group of enslaved people uh, on the Macon plantation in Georgia who um, craft a plan to run away uh, to the north and uh, get their freedom. And the show is executive produced by Misha Green and a couple of other dudes, uh, but Misha Green is the sole black woman executive producer. She's also a co-creator of the series. Um, she wrote for Heroes along with one of the other co-creators and executive producers of the series. Um, and, um, you know, I was a latecomer to this series, but um, now that I've seen the first five episodes, which uh, WGN is going to be um, marathoning today, um, Saturday the 9th, um, I just thought we should, you know, discuss this on the show. It's created by a black woman. Um, it features some great performances by black women actresses. Yes. And um, it's it's just, I mean, it's just something that Inda and I, frankly, squee over. So mm -hmm. we got to talk about it because it's our show. Um, so let me wrestle up my notes. Um, the first episode does a lot. And I got four pages of notes on the first episode alone because... So, you know, it's the pilot, and they have yeah. to introduce all the characters and yeah. set the action off. Yeah. And, and it was a longer episode. There's a lot. Well, I mean, it had to be because yeah. they couldn't get all of this in just 47 minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, shout out to The Walking Dead. Um, this is what you can do in 90 minutes. Not that fuck shit y'all did in the season finale, but whatever. Tangent. Uh, <laughs> back to episode one of Underground, which is called The Macon Seven. Um, the first character we see is Noah, played by fine-ass Aldous Hodge. <laughs> He's running through some forest while Kanye West's black skinhead plays. And... Um, you know, from the bat, we realize, yes, this is a slave drama um, set in the 1800s. But uh, the executive producers, one of whom is John Legend, uh, who's an Oscar-winning musician, um, the executive producers have decided to use modern music to soundtrack this this series and in this first instance it works really well to yes. ratchet up tension as this man is basically running away from 
slave catchers, bounty hunters, what have you. And then there's a breakdown where you just hear, you know, people breathing really hard in in a rhythmic fashion, and it really um, highlights the fear that this this man has because you know he's probably worried about breathing too hard, being too loud for fear of being caught. So, um, also, just an, an aside, something that I noticed is that they bleep out the N-word in songs, but not when people say it, when actors say it on the actual show, which is an interesting choice, I guess. Mm. Um, I still don't, I don't quite understand it, but... Mm. Yeah. I actually didn't even notice that. Yeah, there was a couple of times in Kanye's song when he says N-word and it got oh. bleaked out. But See, I'm not going to know you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm watching it on Google Play, so yeah. maybe they bleaked out everything in the actual WGN airing, and I just will never know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then we see... Um, a place card that says, you know, Georgia, 1857. So now we have our setting. Um, and uh, we see the Macon Cotton Plantation. And um, we see another uh, young black man running. But Excuse me, but it's daytime now. And he's actually running to the house to let um, uh, another uh, character, Rosalie, who's played by Journey Smollett-Bell, know that um, that Serafina's uh, about to give birth. So Rosalie tells um, the other character, who is Henry, as a young friend of Noah's, um, Uh, Rosalie tells Henry to tell her mama, you know, um, what's going on and that she's, that her mama's at the cookhouse, which is what they call the kitchen. Um, So after Rosalie gives Henry that directive, she runs through the house to Serafina's uh, and Zeke's shack. Um, and it was this tracking shot where you just follow Rosalie running all the way through the house mm. and to um, Serafina that said, okay, you know, this this show is not fucking around. Yep. They're, they're giving you cinematography, quality cinematography. They're giving you quality writing. They're giving you a diverse cast. They're giving you um, modern music in a old, in a past uh, setting. They're just giving you a lot here already, and we're like five minutes in. But anyway, um, so um, then we meet Zeke and Serafina. Zeke is what you'd call the gentle giant of the show. Mm. Um, he's he's a big, big, big dude. 
big tall dude and Serafina is his wife and she's giving birth um, and um, then we meet another character because Rosalie's mama called uh, Ernestine comes in and starts you know giving everybody orders and you know basically get, you know sets about getting shit done and yep. you know he, she tells Zeke to go outside <laughs> yeah cuz ain't nothing ain't nothing polite about childbirth and he cuz she was about to come out of her clothes yeah cuz she didn't want to get them bloody yeah um so he she tells him to go outside cuz he can't really do nothing in there anyway and uh cause he's a wreck <laughs> he's like <laughs> he doesn't know what to do um and they they um they find Ernestine realizes that the baby is breached, so they gotta figure out some other way to um either turn the baby around um uh so she can um give birth easier um, and then um a few minutes later uh Rosalie comes out um holding the baby and she gives the baby to Zeke and he's the look on his face was so precious he was just so happy and that's when you see that he he's a giant but he's a gentle giant um then then we cut to what I call one of the mayo moments of the show because now that we've seen the plantation and um, some of the folks there, for some reason now we got to go to the white folks. Because yeah. there can't be there can't be a show solely centered on black folks. Yep. No, you got to have the white people. It's it's miles ahead all over again. But yeah, exactly. Anyway, this dude, John Hawks, he's an abolitionist lawyer. Um, He's also a fucking hypocrite, but you'll find that out later. Um, uh, Anyway, my other notes say fuck him and his wife, but (laughs) um, I'm just being petty. Uh, Let me move on. Um, So he's giving some speech. Nobody really wants to listen to him. He's talking about Dred Scott and how unfair it is that he's in jail when he did everything right. Um, then we go to um, another new character, another new Mayo character. So Mayo moment on top of Mayo moment. Um, anyway, this Mayo character is played by Christopher Maloney. So I don't know his name, and I'm just gonna call him Stabler, because yeah. he's Stabler. He was Stabler for like over ten years. So yeah. fuck it. I'm gonna put it this um, way: I don't really know any other white people's names on here. I, I actually just don't. Well, and you're not. I mean, you're not losing much. So, <laughs> uh. You can. I'm just saying, I'd enjoy the show so much better if we focused on the people trying to run away. Yeah. But anyway, we got that. 
Um. <laughs> Stabler is some sort of bounty hunter, slave catcher. He chases runaway slaves and brings them back for money. His wife is in the hospital. He's and she's been there for a while, I guess. Um, he's at the telegraph office writing her a letter, and um, he's a jerk. Um, uh, screw him too. But yeah. Yeah, moving they, on. Yeah. Go ahead. So they try to complicate him, like make it like not seem so black and white. But I'm like, but at the end of the day. You do something completely contemptible, okay? You know? That's what I'm saying. They bring all these male characters on here, and they try to make them, quote-unquote, sympathetic. Yeah. But they're all complicit in perpetuating this system. So I'm exactly. like, fuck all of them. Yep. Um... There's so much dehumanizing language used for enslaved people on this show. Yeah. They're called bitches and bucks, property, cargo, etc. Everything but human. And of course the N-word. Mm-hmm. Everything but what? Human. Yeah. Yep. Um, so... We meet another character who is James. He's a little boy. He's Rosalie's brother. Uh, he lives with Ernestine and Rosalie in the house. Um, we also meet Samantha, also known uh, to me as this bitch. <laughs> See, that's the first time I'm actually hearing her name. <laughs> Oh, see? See, I went back and I wrote down the names as much except for Stabler. Okay. I don't think they say his name. See, you're kind. Anyway. Because she would only be this bitch and I wouldn't I wouldn't even have bothered. <laughs> well, they, they said her name, so I wrote it down. Okay. Yeah, that's the only thing. But otherwise, you gonna, you gonna, she's going to be known from here on as this bitch. So just, just get the codes right. Um, yeah. We'll maybe we'll set up a legend. Um, I don't know. Um, this bitch this is the mistress. Right of, yeah, this redheaded bitch is the mistress of the plantation. She's the worst person yes. ever, and you'll see why. You just just every time she comes on, I'm like this bitch. That's what. That's how she got her name. Um. She is the wife of the next character we see, Tom Hawks. He's the master of the plantation, whatever. Uh, he's actually a northerner who puts on a southern accent to blend in. He wants to be a senator. Um, then we cut back to the male folks up north. And they're then um, a free black man named William Still introduces himself to uh, John Hawks. Um, 
notice the master of the plantation is named Tom Hawks. The abolitionist lawyer is named John Hawks. See where we're going here. Um, William Still uh, works on the Underground Railroad, and he's trying to recruit Hawks because the location of his house is at a um, crucial point on the uh, railroad, and it would help if he would, um, you know, uh, harbor some uh, runaway slaves. Um, then we go back. We have they they I I guess they got to keep all their Mayo moments together. Um, yeah. So we go back to Stabler, and he's um, lying to this enslaved woman who's trying to run away. Said you know, and he uses some you know phrases that we'll um, learn more about later. You know, he knows how to get to the north, and he, you know, lets her know that he knows um, by using certain phrases. I mean, he knows about the drinking gourd and um, stuff like that. And, um, you know, he says, you know, the best bet to get away from the people that are chasing after her is to just get in his wagon and stuff like that. So he, you know, she falls for it and she gets in the wagon, even though she really should be questioning why, why this white dude would help her. Um, plot twist, he's not. Um, Ah, Mayo character number 5080 is Elizabeth Hawks, who is John Hawks' wife, the abolitionist lawyer, not not the master of the plantation. Um, fuck it, let me just say, John Hawks, the lawyer, is the brother to Tom Hawks, the plantation owner. Yeah. And this is why I say... They're all complicit in keeping this system alive, so fuck them. Um, so Elizabeth Hawks is John's wife. She's eccentric. I'll, I'll say that. Um, anything else would be ableist. Um, um, she seems like a prototype for white feminism. TM. Yeah. Uh, she's trying to conceive with John. Um, but we hear, um, we hear some audio that, uh, I suppose some doctor has told her in the past, you know, that, um, body's like a garden and sometimes it's hard to be fertile or whatever, make things grow. Anyway, she's haunted by um, past miscarriages, it seems. So that's the way they try to make this symp- this character sympathetic, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Especially when she says, you know, a dainty little lady like me, you know, wouldn't know anything about the ways of men. 
I'm like, really? We had to go there. We're going there with the whole dainty white femininity shit. And I'm just, I don't give a fuck. I don't have fucks to give her. Back to the plantation. Um, there, um, the people that retrieved Noah are bringing his fine ass back to the plantation. Um, no, 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 no. They br- they brought him to this, I guess, halfway point um, where a whole bunch of other runaway slaves that have been caught um, are. Mm-hmm. And this is when we realize that Noah is a strategist because he ran on purpose and got caught on purpose so he could get to this spot because I guess somehow he knew that somebody there would have, you know, information or but he got even lucky that, luckier than that. He actually found somebody that had the map to freedom. So, um, Noah is smart. Yep. He is smart, smart, smart. He can't read, but he's smart. Um, then we, then we go back to the plantation and we see some more new characters. We've we've met about fifteen people by now, um, but now we meet Pearly May, Moses, and their daughter Boo. Um, they work in the field. Well, yeah, they they work in the field. Um, Moses is also a preacher, and um, then we meet Sam, who is the uh, the blacksmith on the plantation. Um, Sam is also Rosalie and James's half brother. Um, so that means he is Ernestine's son, but with a different father from Rosalie and James. He's also a friend of Noah's. Um, just a and just another aside, um, you know, the uh, Underground is a show that manages to depict how barbaric the system of slavery was yes. in the South, but they don't devolve into torture porn, which yeah. is something that I appreciate because you know, a lot of people, you know, you read books like Octavia Butler's Kindred, you read. Uh, slave narratives you see other movies like 12 years a slave and uh things like that and it's triggering yeah and and i think a lot of people have avoided this show because they didn't want to be triggered by you know like all these from all this other media um that does become a lot of torture porn uh django for example um, but yeah, I, uh, underground avoids all that. I mean, there's some, there's some hard things to watch every once in a while. I mean, it doesn't, you know, try to gloss over anything, but it's not like, no, but know, it doesn't, it doesn't show as much. Yeah. It's not like, um, let's gape at you know, somebody being 
beaten nearly to death, you know, for no reason other than, you know, we just thought that we should put it in. I mean, it avoids that definitely. But like if somebody's getting five or ten lashes, you may only see the first one. Yeah. And, you know, there's not like a whole lot of lingering on, you know, the wounds and stuff when, you know, they're fresh and all. You don't really see a lot of that. Yeah. So it's not, it's not um, pornographic that way. Um, Yeah. And another thing you'll notice is the elevated language of the people on this show. Um, Whether they're white or black, whether they're, you know slave owners or enslaved people they speak um, with this elevated language but especially the enslaved folks it's almost like poetry when they speak um, because they use so many metaphors there's so much coded language as well it's just I love it I love it it's just very rich um and just another testament to the great writing on this show. Um, uh, so, um, back to uh, the plot. Um, um, Rosalie um, hears Serafina crying or singing or something. So she, so she goes to. Um, goes in the house and finds that Serafina has drowned her baby in the bathtub. Um, so she kind of did um, a beloved style um, murder to keep from, you know, seeing her child uh, born into slavery. Um, but um, So, um, you know, Rosalie is shook after that, um, and she's in the, she's in the cookhouse the next day, you know, trying to figure out why a mother would kill her child like that. And then, um, Ernestine, um, is the first of, of her several great speeches that we'll hear in this series um, and, and tells Rosalie, ain't no fear like what you have for your child. Um, you know, she, Ernestine says, you know, she was always afraid that her sons would be um, worked to the bone in the field and beat or killed. Um, she was always worried that Rosalie would be too pretty. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm just... Ernestine is... Oh, God. She's... She's... Oh. Oh, God. She's everything. Yes. But, um... Uh, Ernestine hardcore. She... Yeah. We can't even talk about it. Damn. Not yet. Not yet. We'll get to it. Um... Yeah, but Ernestine is something else. Um, so then um, Tom calls Rosalie to tend to Noah's wounds because they, once Noah came back, because um, all he was supposed to do was um, 
a run to some other plantation to drop off an anvil or something, and he was supposed to come right back. But instead, he ran to get intel on the map to freedom. Um, so they gave him five lashes, and they only we only saw the first one, and then they cut away. Um, but Tom calls Rosalie in to tend to Noah's wounds. So, um, he asks her to help him take off his shirt. And then we see the glorious upper body of one Aldous Hodge. And I do mean glorious. Good God. And those tattoos. Um... Anyways, he's oh, oh God, we oh I can't hardly wait for DWIDP, Lord. Um, I got to focus anyway. But this ends up being their meet cute. If this were a romantic movie, this would be the meet cute because this is when the lovers meet for the first time. Yeah. And this is quite a meeting. Um, there is so much tension, so much sexual tension, <laughs> just humming in the air, you know, during this 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 first meeting. You know, he tries to get her name right. You know, um, it's Rose, isn't it? And she says Rosalie, and she kind of stammers a little bit. Because <laughs> she's looking at that fine ass body and um, losing her words, which I understand, girl. I understand. But um, she sees that she sees the tattoos on his back covering, well, not really covering the scars, but doing something. Anyways, he says some offhand remark about, you know, wondering how it would be. Um, living in the house, sleeping on them comfy beds, mm-hmm. and she gets mad. She says, "A slave is a slave, no other, no matter where they sleep." And she pours the the alcohol on his back, <laughs> not caring if it burns him or not. And um, then she goes to pull up his pants leg to see the see um, you know why he's limping. And um, she says, you know, this isn't that bad. And then um, (laughs) Noah just stops faking. (laughs) And he says, you know, um, everybody's pretending. And then he says, he draws all sexy like, it's nice to meet you properly, Rosalie. Miss Rose is what he says. And he just walks away. And he takes his shirt back from her, and they touch hands. But, oh, God, so much sexual tension. I don't know why Rosalie, how Rosalie resisted jumping on that man right there. But, girl, you are stronger than me. I did not know Aldous Hodge was that damn fine. I just didn't. Girl, you didn't watch Ledridge, okay. <laughs> but um been fine. Been fine. Sexy ass voice. Anyway, wait, girl. You got to wait for the segment. <laughs> um 
because we ain't finished the first episode yet. We got another one. Um, <laughs> so Noah's now talking to Henry, which he, who we've seen before. And he's telling them that he got a plan. He saw that everybody that got caught and brought to that halfway house or whatever was alone. So he figures they need to get a group together because they're strength in numbers. So Noah and Henry start picking out who they think ought to be in the group. They look at Zeke because he's big as a house. And, you know, he can fight because he fights off everybody that tries to lay hands on Serafina. Um, They look at Moses because they say he can read because he's the preacher and he's getting all his sermons from that book. Um, They look at Sam, but Noah's not sure about Sam. I forget why. Oh, because he's he's saving up every coin that Tom gives him and thinking he's going to buy his way to free. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if they look at anybody else. I'm just noticing that the whole group that they've formed thus far is all men. Yeah. Just keep that in yeah. mind. Yeah. Um. And then Cato, who is not the overseer, but I don't know, he's in some, he doesn't work in the fields or in the house. He kind of keeps, he does something to keep the slaves in line, I guess. Um, anyways, he sees what Noah's doing and he keeps, he keeps telling Noah, I see you, I see you. He's like, you got the itch. Yep. You know, you trying to you, you you trying to run away. Um uh, so um Noah and Cato get into it for a minute. Um cause, cause they don't like each other. Um and then um, we go to the next scene, uh, which is James and Tom's Tom's son, uh, T.R. is what they call him. But anyway, James play is is T.R.'s playmate, and they're playing, and I guess a ball runs into the road or something like that. Anyways, TR runs into the road in the way of somebody's carriage um, that's uh, carrying some kind of goods or whatever. Mm. So the guy has to make a sudden stop and everything tips over and the horses tip over and it's just a big mess. Um, uh, So the whoever this guy is he says somebody's got to suffer and he's looking at James to be the whipping boy for TR it's TR's fault this all happened yep. um, but 
Instead of James taking a whipping, Rosalie steps in and says, you know, you know, just whip me instead. So we take, see her take a few lashes to the arms. And it's, yeah, it's not great or it's not fun at all. Um, I, w- I was hoping they would just show, you know, the one lash and just cut away like they did with Noah. But we saw more of it with her. And, yeah, I don't, I don't really appreciate that, but whatever. Um, but afterward, everybody is praising Rosalie and for the sacrifice that she made. Yeah, Noah and definitely. frankly... It was discru- it was disgusting. I'm disgusted by that. Yeah. I'm kinda I'm I'm really sick of this trope um of um black women sacrificing everything, um being long suffering and um just giving up everything for other characters. And it also and kind of felt like one thing that 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 scene also was supposed to do was to show was was for Noah's benefit because he would see you know just yeah. what she was willing to give and like and something that he's he's looking at this as a proof of her strength and her tenacity. Yeah, but he's also the one of the ones for that praises her yeah. for. Yeah, that's that's one for taking the whipping. Yeah, which I'm sorry is still gross. Yeah, um, and you know I'm tired of this trope, and it continues on almost every other show that you see a black woman lead on, um, like Sleepy Hollow. <sighs> um, just black women deserve better than this shit. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing this trope in slavery times, and we're seeing it to this day in modern dramas set in the 21st fucking century. I'm sick of it. Okay, anyway, um, we're almost at the end of the episode. They're having a funeral for Serafina's baby. At the same time that the white folks are having a birthday party for the master's daughter, Mary. And so John Hawks and Elizabeth Hawks come to the South for that. And there's some pettiness between this bitch and Elizabeth. Um, You know, where... um, Elizabeth gets a couple of cracks off. You know, she says, you know, the the heat in the north is nothing like the heat in the south. You know, here it's so oppressive. And she looks up at James, who is um, held up high in a box, you know, fanning everybody. Um, Then, you know, um, this bitch says something about, you know, it's... It's easy for Northerners to get all idealistic, you know, while Southerners do all the hard work and boost the economy. And um, Elizabeth takes a slice of, uh, takes a bite of her cake and says, this cake is delicious. Did you make it yourself? 
It's just basically getting at the fact that these these white bitches ain't doing no work at all. Exactly. They have slaves to do it. Um, it's slaves that are boosting the economy because they ain't getting paid shit. Yep. Um, so Elizabeth got, you know, those those two cracks off, but then, you know, this bitch had to go for the jugular and rub her pregnant belly because she's about to bust with that baby and says, you know, you'll understand better when you have children. (sighs) So that shut Elizabeth up uh, for the time being. And, um, you know, and then uh, then this bitch says something that, you know, takes the other woman to um, visit her nursery she makes sure she says nursery real loud so Elizabeth can hear it. So basically, she's rubbing in the fact that she can have children and Elizabeth can't. Um, which is another reason I call her this bitch, because she's a bitch. Um, um, and that's another reason none of these white folks are sympathetic to me. You know, these bitches run are, um, are slave owners that do all kinds of barbaric savage shit to them and um, you're just in their house eating their cake, whatever you're too scared to join the underground railroad because you might get arrested whatever girl Um, so that's episode one alright okay um, that was a lot episode two it is that that pilot was packed. Yeah. Um, episode two. I only have a couple pages of notes for them. <laughs> okay. So maybe we can run through this real quick yeah. and then get to what everybody is dying for. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So episode two is called War Chest. And um, the two, uh, you know, it's you know they're uh, they're getting ready for uh, all the enslaved folks are getting ready for the plantation dance. Um, the girls in the house are um, talking about it and picking out their dresses and their ribbons and stuff and you know making plans. And then Rosalie walks in and they're like. And they all shut up, and they and they're like, Rosalie never goes to these things. She thinks she's too good. But on the other hand, they don't seem to understand that Ernest um, Rosalie's mama is Ernestine. She's probably sheltered as fuck. She probably never got a chance to go. Yeah. Um, Ernestine probably never wanted her to go. Yeah. Um. And also, she never had a reason to go before, but yeah. now she has Noah. Yeah. Fine-ass Noah. Yeah, that's the thing. Ernestine does kind of seem to have insulated her kids as much as she could, you know, mm-hmm. in her, her own at way least, trying to protect them. At least James and uh, Rosalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam is a little bit more exposed, but yeah. he's still protected. He's not in the field. Yeah. He's, he's learning a trade. Yeah, exactly. So 
he doesn't really understand exactly how much Ernestine has done for him, but yeah, um, he's still kind of bitter. Um. Anyway, so there's that scene. Then um, Tom's got a whole bunch of slaveholders over to the plantation. He's trying to um, get their support for his senatorial run. Um, and we'll see those those folks later on in the episode. Um, then we go back to the field, and Noah is still plotting. Um, he's talking to Zeke now about, um, you know, making plans with him. He asks Zeke if he can swim. Zeke says nothing. And then Noah says, I can't either. Because um, they're trying to figure out how to get over the bridge. Um, he talks to Sam, and he's like, um, you know, me and Zeke figured out, you know, we can't get over the bridge. And then Sam's like, probably not, but he's got an idea for a way to get under the bridge. So that's when, you know, slant Sam's blacksmithing skills are going to really come in handy. Because um, he's got an idea to use harnesses and hooks to kind of move under the bridge um, without anybody seeing them. Because, you know, um, Noah tells Zeke that we got to figure out a way to run off without being seen, to get ahead of the dogs, you know, um, get ahead of the slave catchers and everybody. Um... Now we have a Mayo moment. Uh, the Hawks, John Hawks and Elizabeth Hawks, go visit uh, William Still in Pennsylvania. And, you know, his house is busy. Um, they get introduced to Henry Box Brown, who mailed himself in a box to freedom. Ah, I love black folks. <laughs> they'll, just, they'll just be like, I'll just mail myself. Oh, God. Anyway, um, then we meet a character, I forget his name, it's either Ben or Jay, um, played by Clark Peters, and he yeah. lives on um, the plot of land with Stabler and his son, and I, I don't know if he's still enslaved or if he's a free man or an indentured worker I still haven't figured what? out either I'm like, yeah I don't know anything about his dude? story yeah um <laughs> yeah I've pretty much made I, them yeah, out to I be a couple <laughs> I've pretty much made them out to be a couple after a while because hmm. <laughs> I can't think of anything that's, else <laughs> I can't think of that's the only thing that makes sense yeah but um so like okay um, why are you still here? Yeah, so you know, fuck Stabler. What is Clark Peters' story? Yeah, because they did him dirty on Jessica Jones. I ain't never gonna forget that. After they made, after they did, um, ah, uh, damn Hall. it, what's his real name? Huh? Bondi Curtis Hall. Thank Isn't you, Bondi Curtis yeah. Hall. 
they did him wrong on Daredevil. Yeah. So you know these Marvel s- series have a, have a pattern of fucking with older black men mm-hmm. and and now they like to fuck with women of color and I'm not here for it. But I talked about that last time and um anyway uh tangent sorry um so Clark Peters is talking to Stabler about his son missing him um so Stabler decides to take his son with him on the road for his next slave catching assignment I guess oh Uh, now we cut to Noah back at the plantation, and he's talking to Henry about getting a gun for protection. Um, like, we just can't count on Zeke to be protection, which is almost foreshadowing. Oh, God. Anyway, um, then we meet another character called Frog Jack, and he sells stuff. Um, I guess he just goes around selling stuff to different plantations, different people, wherever. And um, Noah wants to get some paper from Frog Jack so he can make some freedom papers for all the folks that are planning to run away. And he's got a little axe. He's got a little piece of equipment with him that he says, you know, I can help, I can fix your axle, your broken axle in return for some pieces of paper. Um, and Frog Jack's like, no, I'll get, you know, I'll get killed, um, helping, helping runaways. Um, (laughs) so Noah threatens him, you know, um, (laughs) you know, if, you know, you can either let me fix your axle or you can get this axe to the head. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and uh, uh God, even that was hot. No, it was just so fucking fine. Anyway, um <laughs> Cut back to the mail folks. Samantha oh sorry, this bitch thinks that um Mary is ugly, so she's pushing her to um, learn to play piano and focus on talents because she says there's only two things that will um, uh, garner, you know, male attention. That's, um, you know, looks and talent. So she's basically saying in a roundabout way that she thinks Mary is ugly because she keeps pushing her, pushing her, pushing her to learn to play piano. Um... So this bitch is just a bitch all around to everybody, even her own family. Mm. Um, uh, Then we cut back to the cookhouse. Um, uh, Rosalie is thinking about... um, Is thinking about... um, I don't know. She's, She's wondering about freedom, I guess. She's starting to think about it. Yeah about running away and you know uh, she asks her mama if she's ever imagined uh, another kind of life and we get another great speech from Ernestine and Amira Vaughn just knocks it out of the park you know she says I've imagined thousands of different lives she 
is imagined, um, you know, working in, working to the bone and, you know, till her fingers were bloody and picking cotton in the field or being sold, you know, taken to a breeding house where she'll have a dozen babies that she never gets to hold. I'm just, it was some, she was spitting some deep shit in this speech and just, oh my God, they give Ernestine the best lines. Um, anyways, that was, that, that, that speech hit hard. Um, now we go, um, we go to Cato. Cato is pressing Noah for, uh, no, Cato, um, finds Noah with Frog Jack and he's underneath the carriage, you know, fixing that broken axle. So I guess Frog Jack was smart. <laughs> um, and then Cato, Cato brings the overseer, Bill, whatever his name is, some white dude, um, and says, um, um, Noah's trying to get some contraband. Ain't no reason for him to come to um, Frog Jack for anything other than um, something he's not supposed to have. So the overseer tells Noah to strip. <laughs> and the heavens opened up. <laughs> he took off his shirt and his pants. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but, you know, Noah's mad all the time. No, Noah's mad about this. And you can see in his eyes that he going to get Cato later. And he do. Um, but um, Cato's trying to, you know, he says, you know, you owe me, Noah, since I told the master that, you know, I told him a lie about finding the wagon so that you wouldn't get in more trouble. So now you owe me and I'm the master now. And, Oh, God, Cato is the worst. Him and this bitch, they the worst. Um, fucking Cato. Um, <laughs> that's going to be his new name. Fucking Cato. Um, ooh, that works in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Noah, you know, eventually decides to let him in in the group of runaways because um you know Cato is not trying to be left behind because those are the people that get punished when people run away um so now we're back to the Mayo folks and Stabler is teaching his son how to hunt but really he's teaching his son how to catch slaves um uh, we go back to the plantation. Um, Tom is talking to all the other slave owners. And then Rosalie comes in the room serving um, drinks. And then one of them pushes up on her and starts grabbing her by the waist and talk about Negro women's hips and, you know, Start basically just starts fetishizing 
black women, and it's really gross. Yeah, it's very cringe. Very cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah, but but Ernestine got some Google alerts, some kind yes. of radar. Yep. She knows when her babies are being fucked with, so she busts in the room and it's like, um, you know, excuse me, didn't you want um everybody to try some whiskey or some shit? Um, and he, you know, and Tom says, oh, right, right, right. Um, he's just playing along or whatever. And, um, Ernestine takes Rosalie out of the room and, um, follows Tom down into the cellar. She, no, she, she went before he did. Yeah, yeah. She she was ready by the time he got there. Yeah, this this episode should just should just be called booty 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 everywhere, because um, Ernestine strips naked, and you know the camera shows as much as they can show. Yep. Um, Ernestine may or may not have a fatty. Uh, you be the judge. Um, anyways. Um, the whole point of this scene uh, was to show that Ernestine uses the only thing that she has, which is her body. Um, and it's it's worked. Um, she uses that to keep, to make uh, Tom vow that James will not go out in the fields. And she makes um, she makes him say it. She makes him promise before he can, you know, get at any of the goodies. Yep. And then you realize that she has done this before. Yep. Because you know he tries to reach out for her, and he and she slaps him. She's like, "I didn't say you could touch me yet." But, you know, but you realize that they've done this before because the minute the minute Tom sees Ernestine standing there with the with the liquor in her hand, you know, he starts stripping. Yep. So they've they've done this before. And then you're kind of connecting some things. You realize Rosalie is probably Tom's child. James is probably Tom's child, too. Um, that would also kind of explain some things about Sam, because I'm thinking Sam was probably her only child by her husband. Yeah. And that's why he's not in the house. Exactly. But she, but he's still not in the field yeah. either. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's due to Sam, to Ernestine. Yeah, exactly. Um... Now we're at the plantation dance, and um, uh, Noah's telling uh, Cato um, the legend of Bareback Shaw. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is horrible, and, but still, <laughs> it's so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> um. Bareback Shaw is basically some some plantation mistress or whatever former mistress who um, 
likes to take advantage of the plantation dance to pick her out a stallion yeah. for the night. Yeah, this is the reason she mm-hmm. she throws the parties. So she's yeah, she's uh, so she can get some yeah some dark meat. Um, Noah says that Bareback Shaw picks him every year. So, you know, he this year he's going to um, go in and be the decoy, the distraction, while um, somebody else goes and grabs the gun from uh, the war chest. Um, because her husband uh, was some big dude in the military, I guess. Um Noah didn't know either, but um, anyways. Uh, so um, he says that, you know, every year he she gets one of her um, servants or whatever to come and carry uh, him back to um, the house where they'll do some freaky shit. And uh, this year... <laughs> this year, uh, Bareback Shaw's uh, um, picks uh, Kato. <laughs> and then Noah says, Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that uh, Bareback Shaw has a preference for the men of Alita Hugh. <laughs> So good. It's so good. And you realize he's been plotting this ever since Kato made him strip in yep. front of Frog Jack. Yep. Oh, and I was like, because Kato says, You better than me. I wouldn't want to touch her with the 10 foot pole. You're going to have to touch her for some more um, closer yep. than that. Because as soon as he said it, as soon as he said it, they came for him. <laughs> they came for Kato. <laughs> I actually didn't even see that coming, so I just... I didn't, I didn't, but it was so good. It's just like, oh my God, no way, I shit. I was like, I love this show. I love this show. So the whole time Noah was letting Kato in on this plan, he wasn't planning to be the distraction. He was planning for Kato to be the distraction yep. while Noah went to get the gun. Yep. So that's what happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kato's Kato's in there, and you can see by the shadows that he's he's got to, you know, um, Bear Rackshaw is a friend of Doggy Style. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> oh God. Anyway. Um, uh, then Noah sees Rosalie later at the dance, and she's got the yellow ribbon that she found earlier in the episode. And he's like, you know, he's trying to spit game, saying, you know, that ribbon is really pretty. It brings out this, the color in your eyes, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, Noah, spit that game. Um, and then Rosalie... Uh, 
talks to him about um, that she's figured out why he has the tattoos. Um, it's not about covering up the scars. It's about um, uh, redefining your story. And Noah's really struck by that. And so he just says, run with me. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. And he made he turned "run with me" into the sexiest words in the English language. I was about language. to say that was he like just, such a romantic thing. That was like the most romantic thing he could have done at that time. And wow, telling mm. her to, telling her to run with him because she's not in on the plan or nothing, and he just no nope. run with me. See, that's why I think he... Like, we got to make a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I don't think that he's, you know, he was completely using her. You know, I, yeah, he knows her value. He, know what, he knows that she has access, you know, to things. But I think, at, especially at that moment, he really is just smitten with her. He wants her to, he wants to, her to come, you know, with him because, you know, he wants to see this thing through. With her. I mean... He wants her to come all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so, please send all the <laughs> Noah Leaf Smut Fix to Noah Leaf Smut Fix. That would give it to me, Dust Daughter Gmail girl. I don't care. Send it to me. I'm, I'm giving out my Gmail on here. Ooh. Send it directly to me. <laughs> and in her Smut Fix, she would like really, really. A detailed descriptions of Hodge's um, booty. Oh yes! Oh yes! <laughs> Just oh yes! Get every detail of because oh my god that ass. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, um, and um, I think I actually saw the gift set before I saw the the episode, but I'm like, holy whoa! <laughs> I need to watch this. Show. Yeah. Anyway, um. <laughs> And if you want to throw some face sitting in there, that's okay. Um, so, moving on. Those were the first two episodes yes. of Underground. Yeah. And we'll we be bringing the next two to you next time. And do this until, you know, the show's on its run. I don't know how many episodes are a season, though. But, yeah. All I know is I got this season pass <laughs> on Google Play. Because I don't want to miss a minute. This show is the shit. Yeah. Um, Excellent. It is excellent. So if you're watching the show too, tell us what you think about it. We'd love to, you know, get a dialogue going about this show. Um, Unfortunately, I can't live tweet it when it airs. Um, (laughs) But, you know. Um... I, um, you know, that's why I just want to talk about it on the show. But yeah, hit us up at Black Girl Squee on Twitter. Um, let us know what you think of the show, what you think of the recaps, everything. All right. So from all that goodness, let's get this catch to fade off and then we can get to the really good shit. Yeah. So, we're just going to speed through this, yeah. or try. Yeah. Um, Hillary Clinton was at Black Girls Rock. 
that's really that's really enough for me but the speech that she made just she doesn't get it no she doesn't get it which is she doesn't get it but she still wants the black vote anyway But you know, the only the only bright side about her being there was the side eye she got from every woman in the crowd. Thank you. Just the crowd reaction shot was a beautiful portrait of shade. Yes. So that's the only thing. Um, but she can catch the fate. Yes. Stop coming in in our events. Leave Black Girls Rock alone. That's ours. Please. Let us have something. We need something. This is it's like a safe space, a sanctuary where we can celebrate ourselves. But you had to come up in here fishing for votes. Fuck you. Catch the fade. Anyway. All right, the Walking Se- Walking Dead season six finale. <laughs> if you read the, if you read, um, this is one of the the introduction of the character Negan is one of the turning points in the whole series of Walking Dead comic books. And AMC managed to fuck that up. One of the most iconic moments in the series. They fucked it up for this idiotic cliffhanger that has the audience asking the wrong questions. And it's just a very bad piece of storytelling. Because you don't tell the whole story. And now, instead of wondering what the group is going to do about this new and very formidable foe, people are having debates about who Negan Negan killed. Because... AMC didn't have the balls to actually show you who he chose to kill. You didn't have to show us him getting his getting their skull bashed in with a bat. Yeah. All you had to do is show us who got picked after he finished his game of any mini miny mo. All you had to show is say tell us show us is who was it? But they didn't because they want people to wonder for six fucking months. Like, really? That's the kind of cliffhanger you're going to leave when you're when you know you're not coming back until October? So anyways, fandom is all... Fandom is all fucked up. They're mad and they're 
they're saying that certain people who should die, and most of the fandom is saying, of course, because fandom is trash and racist, that the POC should die. Yep. Because it can't be Daryl. Because even though he's not even in the fucking comics, um, it can't be him because Norman Reedus is too popular. Wait a minute. Daryl is too, he's t- is too char- popular a character. Daryl isn't a character from the comics? No. I did not know that. Fuck. Exactly. Exactly, but they're like, Daryl's off limits. Fuck, why? Mm-mm. He hasn't done anything Im- important in the in like two seasons. Okay, they haven't. They've really done very little with his storyline. <clears throat> but he's too integral to the show. Fuck out of here. Look, he's the first person. He's the first person who can go. I'm gonna put it this way. If Daryl does die, Norman Reedus is going to be okay. Yeah, they've already given him some motorcycle show on AMC. So, I mean, he's going to be all right. He's got movies he can do. I think he was in Triple Nine, the the movie with Chiwetel and Anthony Mackie. Um, So, he's going to be all right. Yeah, he will be just fine. Um, I like Daryl when I watch the show, but you can kill him. I don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, everybody, you know, everybody can look up on the wiki and see who, who got the bat in the comics. Um, and we already know the fuckery that happened in the first part of the season, the first half of the season with um, people wondering if Glenn were dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then finding out he was underneath a dumpster or something. Yeah. That was such a terrible, and they didn't, and they didn't tell, they didn't let you know. They made you sit through two or three different episodes focused on other characters before they let you know whether or not Glenn was alive or not. Which is fucked up because there's a lot of people, including myself, who watch The Walking Dead because of Steven Yun. Yeah. Because he's fine. He might have to be a DWIDP up in this bitch because I can't believe he hasn't been. He's fine. Um, and, um, anyway, there's he's got lots of fans on the show. Yeah. He's he's been on the show since episode one, um, but they still say that he can go over fucking Daryl. Rick would not, not be alive if he wasn't character. for Glenn. Thank you. Rick was about to fucking shoot Fuck. himself in the face until Glenn, you know, found him. So um, yeah, so people, a lot of people are um, saying, you know, Glenn can die. Because you know he's an he's he's an OG character, and you know it'll have more of an impact if he dies. Oh uh, no! Or if, or if Michonne dies, because you know now that she's hooked up with Rick, they hope so. They are really fucking. They really. Mhm. Mhm. 
So, you know, fandom shows its trashiness yep. um, and ain't shitness. And um, this is the shit pile that you've given us, AMC, because this is your idea of a cliffhanger, which tells me that you don't really get the the definition of a cliffhanger mm. or how to tell a coherent story, but whatever. Um, so AMC can catch the fade. The majority of the Walking Dead fandom who are racist trash can catch the fade. Yep. I mean, I don't even watch this show live anymore, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to have to go the way of Sleepy Hollow, because fuck this show. Yeah. Fuck this show. I'm sorry, Denai. I love you. I love you, Stephen Young. Please yep. call me. Uh, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, I love you too, but this show is some fuck shit, and the fandom is fuck shit. <laughs> And they can catch the fade. All right. Um, One more for me. Um, Star Wars uh, had released a trailer for the new movie Rogue One. Starring a whole bunch of white British folks. (laughs) The lead apparently is some white chick. And I don't care. Yeah. It's not progressive. It's not as progressive as they think. Oh, yes, we cast a woman. Um, Women don't come in just one color. Thank you. Um, The Force Awakens, the new... Um trilogy already has a white woman lead character. Can we have some women of color or are y'all going to be just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where all the women are white and all the black folks are men? Because otherwise I'm not here for it. And um Somebody on Tumblr brought up a good point. Um, all these, all these people of color, <laughs> these male, these men of color that are now starring in the Star Wars universe, who birthed them? Thank you. How'd they get here? Where are the women of color? Why are y'all erasing them from the narrative? Anyway, so. That whole phenomenon can catch the fade. And in the take it away. Sleepy fucking hollow. Fucking mess of a show. Yo, I stayed with this show through season two, which was a shit show all the way through except for one episode. Yep. And you know, I thought maybe then they would try to rectify, you know, the whole situation because in the end they did kill the weakest link and, you know, she was gone. 
So, okay, yeah. Gave it another shot this season. Was not. But they brought on two more weekly. Yes. And thing is, they started off kind of, you know, good with Pandora because she started off being a pretty damn good big baddie. Then it just kept getting worse. So not only is they just kind of reduce her to like an abused spouse, but let's talk about how they treated Abby. Because during the second season, it's like, you know, they were saying they kind of tried to relegate her to sidekick for Ichabod. And then now, this season, oh, she's teammate, just part of the team. And still being fucking self-sacrificial. Because, hey, the greater good is all, you know, important. And I'll, I'll just go and jump into this tree and end up in the catacombs where I'll lose my mind for 10 months. Then, when they get her out... I can't possibly do any of this stuff. He's just too precious. Like, I don't... And then it all just came to a fucking crash and burn last night because they finally killed Abby off the show, like we said earlier. And of course, it's all self-sacrificial. She fucking jumps in Pandora's box so it can use her soul and they can do whatever it is that needs to be done to destroy whoever the fuck you know, he was, because I kind of kept, didn't keep up with who he was either, because I just didn't care anymore after a while, and somewhere in the middle of the first season, I don't know, they really just stopped trying with Abby, and I'm just livid at the way they treated Nicole Bahari through this whole thing. They started off, you know, had, she was written so well, she and Tom Meeson were just so great together, and you know, they were just a joy to watch, but they seriously just had to have hated black women and the way we latched on the show and the way, you know, we all loved Abby for them to do what they did to her character. There, there is no other explanation. Whiteness will fucking eat itself trying to be anti-black and being, you know, misogynoir. It will fucking eat itself. Because Abby... I'm just, see, I was glad last night to to see, like, all of these um, fans of the show just kind of speak up and express their displeasure for it. And they totally fucking went after these writers and went after the the showrunners of this show. I was glad to see that. But I was just really, really, you know, upset because so many people who wanted this show to work and who, you know, loved Abby Mills, they got hurt. I mean, it's not just a damn show. We finally had this character that we could love, that we could, you know, look at and say, okay, she's kind of, you know, more well-rounded than what we used to seeing on the show, you know, and she has some dimension to her. And then we got that taken away. And why do we have it taken away? Why? Because they couldn't deal, and the the writer's room was... Racist. There's just no other way to put it. And yes, I know there's one black woman writer in the writer's room. This says she might have kind of jumped ship. She can't. She can't. This says she might have jumped ship. Well, she she can't fight a room full of white folks all by herself. That's true. 
they said that she might have gone with some of the season one writers to start, start writing Scorpion. So I'm like, if she did, good for her because that was a sinking ship, and you don't need to be, you don't need to go down with it. I just, what did, what did, I don't see that there's anything that Nicole Bahari could have possibly done. Nothing. To turn the writer's room, the producers, the fucking network against her like this. I honestly just believe it's because of the way we responded to her. And they knew they were going to have to keep it up. And they didn't want to do it. And the thing is, and when we invest in a character we invest yes okay that means campaigns to keep the show on the air that means fanfic head cannons that means organizing live tweets and stuff live tweets the dedication at the and the time and the emotions that black women have invested in this fandom because they finally saw some representation and y'all slapped him in the face and pissed on him. Sorry. I mean, because y'all really y'all really just said all this time and love and creativity that y'all had put into this show into this character. It don't mean shit to us. And we're going to show you by shitting on this character time and time again. This is what we think of black women. Yep. This is what we think of black women. Specifically. Yeah, but oh yeah, black people as a whole too because Orlando Jones, he was gone as soon as they could get hit as soon as they could get rid of him. This show hates black folks. Or the show uh, room, wherever they make this show, they hate black folks. They want our ratings. They want, you know, the revenue we bring in. Our eyeballs. They don't want us. And see, that's the thing. Fox does this all the fucking time. They've done this since the inception of the network. Yes. Built itself on a black audience. I was around when Fox and first came out. And just off. abandoned them. I mean, if you, we are not making this up. Go look at New York Undercover. Go look at New York Undercover. That show was successful, had such, had a following, had a really good black and Latino following because, you know, the leads were a black and Latino male. And then they brought Mm -hmm. in a black Latina and she had a really good following. And so then what did they do? They brought in the token white guy. Fuck it all up. Mm -hmm. And then. And then the white chief. Yep. And then they killed the Latino. Killed killed the Latino. And then I saw maybe the first 10 minutes of the season after that. And I was like, no, I couldn't do it. They just changed everything about the show. And I'm like, did y'all just not know what was working with this show? Why did you? And this is exactly what they did with Sleepy Hollow. I mean, and look at what they did to Almost Human. Minority Report. To Minority Report. And these were good shows, and they were, they already had devoted followings. But we get a second season of Lucifer. Who the fuck watches Lucifer? That show is so bad. 
and they've got they've got the they've got Lucifer playing this almost kind of Kilgore on Jessica Jones kind of character, which is really creepy. Because if you've watched Jessica Jones, you know that Kilgore used the, his power to manipulate minds and stuff mm-hmm. to rape women. And you realize that at any moment, Lucifer could do that too and not feel shit about it because he's the fucking devil. <sighs> but he gets a season two. They fucking brought and X-Files back from the ten episodes. Mm-hmm. After two not really great movies. Thank you. Um. See, I thought I I told myself I was done with Fox after they canceled Almost Human. I loved that show. Yeah. But I gave them another chance with Sleepy Hollow, and then I said, "Let me check out this Minority Report," yep. and I got I got sucked in again. So I have to make this final. Sorry, Empire, but fuck Fox. I'm done with the network. Gotham, I don't care if you bring it back, Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm not going back. Nope. You should have never let her leave the show anyway. Exactly. In the first place. Um, yeah, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with you fucking with me. This is why I tweeted out Millie Jackson's Fuck You Symphony. Because that's exactly how I feel. Well, just that might have to be the the intro to the show, because um, yeah, I can't let them continually fuck with me like this. That's just abusive. It is abusive now. Yeah, this many times that you've done it, there was like a there was like a whole slate of black comedies on um, Fox on Thursdays back in the day. Yeah. You had Martin, you had Living Single, then you had New York Undercover. That was my Thursday night yeah, in college. Exactly. While everybody else was watching Friends, I was watching I was watching Fox yeah. for these shows. Then after those shows ended, there was like a drought. Yep. Like Married with Children went on for fucking ever. I'm saying. But you didn't you didn't see no more more black people. Nope. That's when your UPNs and your WBs cropped up. Yep. And they used Fox's format. Yep. Suddenly, all the black shows were on those tiny networks. Yep. And then they became the CW. And, and where did the black people go? You were lucky to see black folks on there anymore. You see, you have one or two, and they're getting shit on. Yep. Hi, Iris West. Um, so yeah, fuck Fox, fuck Sleepy Hollow. I'm glad my baby is free. Yep. Um, that's it. So that was a jam-packed catch the fade, yep. and uh, now we're going to go to our squeak queens. Yay. So, I had to add two squeak queens from uh, the series we just recapped, Underground. Um, specifically, Adina Porter, who plays Pearlie Mae, 
and Amira Vaughn, who plays Miss Ernestine. Yes. They are wonderful on the show. Uh, and just, you can tell by um, the tweets that they make when they're live tweeting and when they're, you know, talking about the show in interviews, they really have done their research and um, they really get the core of these characters and they understand in the, the system they were in and the pressures they were under. And uh, that's why you need, you need people of color um, who actually see all dimensions of these um, characters of color. You just... And when you when you get that match together, you get a great show like Underground. Yep. All right, Inda. Well, I just wanted to say, in regarding Adina and, and Amira, this past episode, the scenes they did together, that was on some level of Viola Davis and Cicely Tyson. That's just how good it was. Ooh. It was on that level. So, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely some good squeak queens right there. Get, get into it. Okay. And, and our last squeak queen yeah. is my wifey, yeah. my baby. Nicole Bahari. Nicole Bahari. Because she is just such, she is so much of a better person than I am. She really is. I mean, just mm-hmm. kept that whole thing, you know, to herself the whole time. And then when it all came to light, she just, she was as classy as ever. And, you know, I have to commend her for that. Because I'd be petty and bitter, but she wasn't. You know, she just said her goodbyes. Yeah. And I mean, that's good and all, but I just feel like we need to have a place in this world where we can be petty and bitter. Yeah. Because she shouldn't have had to suffer in silence like that for a whole year or more. Exactly. But I'm like... Um, Girl, this one, like, you are such such a better person than I am. But not when she's the lead of the show. She shouldn't. Ha- she shouldn't have to be hush mouthed about being sidelined like exactly. that. Um, but you know, like you said, she's free now. Well, I'm gonna sit here and pray to whatever gods I need to that I can get her and John Cho together in something where you know they do what they do. And you know, if they want to get it in on a show too, I don't care. They they, they can get it in. But, uh, girl, with your talents, everything that you bring to those, these roles you play, you are going to get something better. It's like everybody's saying, we hope this is her Taraji moment after they killed Taraji off personal interest. Look what happened with Taraji. Mm-hmm. She just won a damn Golden Globe for Empire. So. She's about to be in this movie about yes. black women and, and, um, and NASA and STEM. And I'm just... Yep. Oh man! Now I kind of almost wish Nicole had gotten that role, Janelle got. Yeah, kind of. It would have made sense. That would good. But you know, I'll see what Janelle does but, um, before I say anything. But Black Panther, though. Yes. She got to get a role in Black Panther. I need that. I need that. I need that Chadwick Nicole reunion. That would just do my heart good yeah. to see my husband and my wife on screen. 
All that's missing is me in between. <laughs> Just saying. <sighs> saying that is a yummy, yummy, yummy sandwich. Anyway. But all right. I'm, so yeah. Just glad that I got to know who she was and she's, you know, in, on my radar now and I know her talent. So thank you. So to Adina and Amira and my baby Nicole. <laughs> All right now. Time for the dick. <laughs> I've been waiting patiently. Here it is. This week in that print is dedicated to the gorgeous, the sexy, the talented. <sighs> All this Hodge. His name just sounds good now. Hodge. Don't be good. They don't they don't want us to be good, <laughs> not in this segment. Lord. Lords, Lord, Lords. Lord, Lord. If you've seen episode two of Underground, I don't need to explain why why he's in this segment. He wins all the prizes. He's God. Um he is good. Did you see that six pack? Did you see those V lines? Did you see them shoulders? That broad ass back. I just. And dead ass. Dead. Good. It is speak on it. Her speak on perfection. You know how we talk about oh, um, Idris got a it has like a Greek statue. So do all this. Mm. Just perfect. Mm-hmm. Just perfectly sculpted, mm. like the rest mm-hmm. of his body. But mm-hmm. Lord, mm. the face that I can sit on, Lord. Oh, <sighs> anyway, um. And a wonderful speaking voice. That's all deep. Glad to meet you properly, Miss Rose. (laughs) (laughs) Know what you need to meet properly, all this? This pussy. Anyway. Okay, I'll do it to myself. That does, daughter. Anyways, um, he fine, y'all. Is what I'm saying, and he's really good at acting, and um, he fine, and uh, oh, I just, I mean, a lot of people have followed him, you know, since Leverage. Yeah. Where he played Alec Hardison, aka the only reason to watch Leverage. Sorry, Christian Kane. <laughs> but I was there for all this. He he was great. 
you know, he kind of subverted stereotypes in that he was the techie, he was the, he was the nerd of the group. But he kind of made being a nerd cool because, you know, he always, you know, stood up for nerds. And, you know, who could, it's hard to imagine a nerd being that fine. Um, See, now I need to watch but, Leverage. But he never, he only got shirtless maybe in the last season. So they didn't. They didn't really didn't utilize all his talents. Use, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, but he's yeah. But everything, everything he said on that show was great, and uh, he was just great. Um, but now he's on underground, and he's he's able to. He's being a leading man. He's being a strategist. He's being naked. And um, <laughs> he's just showing all his range. Oh, yeah. Um, and I appreciate every bit of it. Every bit. Yep. Please call me. Um, uh, I don't. What what else can we say? Um, what 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 can we say? Um, um, I can't say thought, much. I'm just too busy stirring. Yeah, um, yeah. You just yeah. I had to zoom in on them gifts. Um. You know, I just, Lord have mercy. I don't, yeah, I'm at a loss for words. If somebody is this <laughs> fine, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if, if this segment will do it, do him justice. Um, but he is gorgeous and sexy and he's, he's a good actor and, um, just, just all the best. All the best to you, Mr. Aldous Hodge. And shout out to your brother, too, who is also a cutie. Girl. And um, that's another sandwich. <laughs> they are, that would be two of them. very quite yummy. Mm-hmm. All that fine running his family. I mean, yeah. can you imagine family reunions and dinners with them? Girl. No, I could no. Mm, <laughs> no, nah, cause cause I I take I take one look at look at them and just be, they'd be like, "Girl, why are you putting your panties down in the middle of the picnic?" <laughs> um, oh, is that what I'm doing? I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. Um, <laughs> but while I'm at it, here they 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 belong to you. Just take them. Yes, here you go. Here you go, Aldis. Here you go, Edwin. Yeah. If y'all want them, they're yours. Um, ooh, uh, I think I want to say he's also an artist, too. Like, he paints. Um, Don't tell me that. Sorry. Um, he's just, <laughs> no, he's just a. 
he's a hundred percent intelligent black child. Uh, he's just he's he's wonderful. Um, Ooh, Lord, don't he tell me is black excellence. Uh, yeah. Um, hold on. Let me let me Wikipedia. <laughs> find too much perfection in somebody that's just too much to handle mm-hmm. you find you can he's act one. talented and you an artist oh come on he's six one. <laughs> oh, he's named after his daddy Aww. his daddy's name is Aldous <laughs> he's 29 oh god look at his smile Oh, oh damn! He was a child in in, in um leverage. Yeah. You know what? I'll leave it alone. Then. <laughs> I just want to uh-huh. consider him a grown ass grown man. No, leverage was what? When was when did you leverage start? Um, it was somewhere within the past ten years. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Leverage started in twenty in two thousand eight. So eight years. He would been about twenty one. <coughs> he was legal. It's good. <laughs> um he yes, he went to the Art Center College of Design. He's an artist. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Boo Boo. He's from North Carolina. Whoa, he's southern. Uh-huh. Aldous is the younger brother of Edwin. Um, Hodge played both the clarinet and the violin as a child. Oh, no. Come on. Come on. But as an adult, his focus, he's in re- he's a renaissance man, baby. Get into oh. it. Um, in addition to acting, Hodge designs watches, writes, and paints. See... Sorry, I, I have to have this man. He is everything. I I just want to watch him paint butt naked. I See, just um, you, were, you were in the harem now. All this is part of the harem. Yes. Um uh if you don't know him from Leverage, you probably know him from playing MC Ren in the NWA biopic straight out of Compton. Ooh. Um, or you know him from being butt naked and underground. Um, <laughs> he's been on a lot of TV shows too. I know he also he was on Friday Night Lights. He was he was on a couple of episodes of Supernatural. Um, I remember he was on he he played um, sort of an. Obama-like figure on um, Private Practice, really, on the Shonda shows. It was kind of it was kind of this um, story of an African man and his white wife, and they were having a baby. Um, huh. I don't know about some of his accents, but <laughs> you know he tries. Um, I love you, baby. Um, oh, he played. Um, Michonne's uh, former boyfriend um, on The Walking Dead. So he's he's been around. He's been around. He's been working hard, mm-hmm. and he's gorgeous. Yes. Um, 
yeah, he he yeah, he he gotta be in my rotation <laughs> in my in my lineup. Um because he is beautiful. Yes. Uh, oh my god. I wanna see him paint butt naked and play violin butt naked. <laughs> and just be butt naked. And um <laughs> Lord. Uh, wow! Now I wish, I wish I hadn't done that. He, oh wow! See, this is why I really can't follow people I thirst after on Twitter. I know, right? Because I just feel kind of way about that. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's exactly why I won't follow Warren Brown. That is exactly why I won't follow him. Girl. Warren Brown Brown better thank his... Anyway, um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um... Yeah, so... Aldous Hodge, he is everything and he needs to call me um come over yes if he comes over he gotta be butt naked but um that's the rules um so I hope that is enough for DWIDP cause uh now I need a drink (laughs) You need cold water. Ooh, he is too much. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So let's close. Let's close the show up. Girl. Okay. <laughs> What's <is> vocab? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, woman is vocab. I totally intentional. Since today's term is bait and switch. Bait and switch refers to an action in which someone presents an enticing offer to draw on another, but delivers a subpar end result. This began as a term in retail in which promotions are offered, but upon visiting the store, the customer finds that products or services are subpar or unavailable, but is still pressured to purchase something similar. However, Uh bait and switch is used in many other contexts than retail now. Bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in this case, it applies to television and the marketing of said television shows. Yep. <sighs> Sleepy Hollow, Walking Dead, any other show on Fox. Um, fuck that network. Somebody needs to burn it to the ground. Yep. Anyway, um, Black Girl Commandments. Um, thou shalt do better for black girls and women because we deserve better. Amen, the amen, end. amen. <laughs> and a woman. Uh, uh, now, um, now it's time to end our show before we just lose it um 
start drooling over pics of Aldous Hodge. Uh, <laughs> who this visual guy about to be fire? Um, <laughs> about to be NC seventeen up in this bitch. So. If you have a problem with that, you can contact us on Twitter at Black Girl Squee. You can hit Enda up on Enda's Corner because it's her fault for getting me hooked on this show. Um, <laughs> I am Dust Daughter on Twitter, but um, I don't know why you would complain. I have done nothing. I am innocent. Um, um Tumblr or blackgirlsquee.tumblr.com. Our email is blackgirlsquee at gmail.com. And on iTunes, just search for Black Girl Squee. And you will find us, and uh, you can rate and review the show there. And we'll read it on, on the next episode. All right. So until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs> Fuck you, 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 fuck